Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Today we are going to meet what is the impact of salvation in our lives. When you say you are born again, what does it mean? When you say you are born again, what impact does it have in your life? Okay, what difference does it make when you when you say you are born again? What difference is it supposed to make in the life of those who claim that they have encountered the Lord Jesus Christ? If I meet with the president today, what difference will it make in my life? What impact will it make in my life? Will I continue to remain the same, or will I have a different thing? Will I grow an inch taller, or am I going to grow a little bit fatter? What when you become born again? What difference does it make? This is going to be the central focus of our discussion this morning, and we are going to be reading again the book of John, chapter one, reading from verse number one. And the Bible tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. And in him was life and the life was and the life was the light of men and the light shine in darkness and darkness comprehended not. And in verse number 14 and the Bible says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. Now, the Bible makes us to understand that the Christian faith is the only faith on the face of the earth that does not ask you, you know, is the faith, is the only religion where God came down and did something for man. Okay? This is the only faith where where God came down and did something for man. In all other religions, the people who are following that religion have to do something to make their God happy. Okay, it's either they have to pray five times a day, or they have to worship somewhere, or have to bring a particular sacrifice. They have to do something to be able to make their God happy. But in our own case, as believers, the adherent, you know, in our in our own case as a believer, our salvation does not depend on what we do. The Christian faith offers a different opinion. What we do is not what saves us; is what God has done for us. Okay, what God has done for us is what makes a difference. Our salvation does not depend on what we do, but what God has done for us. That is why the Bible tells us in John 3 16, He said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not, should not perish, but have eternal life. And I want you to look at that verse closely. In that same verse, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He did what? He gave. No other faith, no other religion on the earth can make that particular claim. God so loved the world that he gave. The Christian God made a way for you and for me to be saved. Made you a way for you and I to escape the wrath of sin. In the Christian faith, salvation is not about what you do to please God. It is about what he has done and how you respond to that love. What he has done for you and how you respond to that love. How you respond to his love offering. 
how you respond to the things that he has done for us. The issue is not God has made a way out for us. That is not the real issue. The real issue in the Christian faith is that the way that has been made for you, what are you doing about it? That's the real issue. It's not that you have been given anything. The question is, what have you done with what you have been given? That is the question. Okay? It's not that you have access to something. The question is, what did you do with that access? Okay? It's not that you have been given a plane ticket. The question is, have you used the plane tickets? It's not that you have been given an invitation to come to the White House. The question is, have you gone into the White House? Even with the invitation that you have. The, free, the issue we have now is not God is it's not that God has made a way for us. The question is, what have you done? Have you responded? Have you taken advantage of that opportunity? That is what it's all about. And that's why I ask the question for those of us who are here this morning. How we do, what will you do with the offer of salvation that you have been given? The offer of salvation that God has made available for us, what are we going to do with it? If you ask many in the church, they will tell you that they have accepted the eternal, they have accepted the, 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 the gift of God, the, eternal, the, the, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will tell you they have accepted it. But the question is that they will say that they are born again. They will tell you that they have a relationship with the Almighty God. But there seems to be a problem. And that problem is that what they are saying, and the way they are living seems to be there seems to be a problem it doesn't seem to match up you say that you are born again you say that you are a child of god you say that you are going to heaven but the problem is that the way you are living is completely different you are denying everything that you say you believe you are denying everything that you that you claim to that you claim to uphold the problem is that there is a gap between there's a disconnection between what we claim and what we experience and john chapter 1 verse 14 tells us and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory even the glory as the only begotten of the father full of grace now what does this mean this verse is simply telling us that those who say that they are born again those who say that they have been that they have encountered the love of God, they're saying that those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, the verse is simply saying that our lives should reflect the glory of the only begotten Son who now lives inside of us. If you say that you have met with the Lord Jesus Christ, that particular verse of the scripture is saying, let that life of God that you say that you have received, let that life be reflected in you. Let that life begin to shine through you. Now, for those of us who are from Africa, you will know that there is a way you live in Africa and there is a way you live in America. Two different ways. Okay? There are some people who now have migrated all the way from Africa and they are here in America. And you will find out that they still live exactly the same way that they lived when they were back in Africa. Nothing has changed. They dress the same way. They talk the same way. They behave the same way. They do everything like they have never even left. They have, you know, they have, they have never left back, they, 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 the same way they used to behave back home. The Bible is saying, if you say you are a Christian, that means that you are living in a particular place before. Now you have translated yourself and you are living in a different place. You don't behave like that. There has to be a change. The glory of the only begotten son that you say you have accepted into your life, that glory must shine through. A person who says, I am now married, I now have a husband, I now have a wife, but he still continues to live as if he's single. Okay? If he's coming back from home, he still comes home with KFC. He still, when he wants to go and eat dinner, he still probably goes to Burger King or do something like that. But he's married or she's married. Nobody cooks in the house. Nobody cleans the house. Nobody does anything. They behave as if they are roommates. 
The Bible says that he that is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. So when the Lord says that the glory of the only begotten Son, he's talking about the Father. If you have encountered that same Jesus, if that Jesus has actually been inside your life and that you have now really and that you have now uh, kind of accepted his love offering and his deliverance from sin, he said that we should be able to see the difference. We should be able to see it manifested in your life. We should be able to see it in the way you talk. We should be able to see it in the way you behave. We should be able to see it in the way you relate. We should be able to see it in the way you treat your fellow men. We should see it in every aspect of your life. You cannot remain the same if you have met with the Lord Jesus Christ. If we have truly accepted the gift of eternal life, our lives should reflect the glory of the only begotten Son who now lives in us. Our lives should reflect the reality of the encounter with the Son of God. Something must change inside of us. You cannot say that you are born again and you remain the same. Something is wrong if you remain the same. And that is what 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 is talking about. He said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In other words, there should be a difference in the way we live before and the way we live after we meet the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the unfortunate thing is that there appears to be a gap in the lives of many Christians that when it comes to what we profess and the reality that we experience, we cannot manage, we cannot seem to have an agreement. Something seems to be, you know, something seems to be off. Something seems to be off. The issue is not really the presence of the gap, the, 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 the Christian experience. The real question is why is there a gap in the first place? It's not that whether you have a gap, whether every now, every now and then people grow in faith and it takes a while for you to get to where you are. The question is, why do you even have the gap in the first place? Why is there a disconnection between your profession and your experience in the first place? Why? That is the question. John 1.14, again, I go back to it. It said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. Okay? There is there, be, there should be no gap in the life of a Christian in what he says and the way he lives. There should not be any gap. The word, you know, the word must become flesh in our lives if our experience and our profession must align. In other words, if what you are saying and the way you are living, if the two of them are going to agree with each other, then the word of God must become flesh in your life. The word of God must become flesh, part of our daily life, through faith and obedience, before we can see the manifestation of the power of God in our life. It is not just in our life, our life activity, you know, it is it's, it's just like it is in every life activity. I've given this example before. If you say you are, you know, if you, if you say you want to become an Olympic champion, right now we are in the Olympic season, you want to be Olympic champion, and you want to win the gold medal, you have to be able to live like an Olympian. Okay? If you say you want to be able to run a hundred meters race, you cannot continue to eat like we used to eat. You cannot continue to sleep like you used to sleep. You have to live a life of discipline. In other words, the Olympic spirit must fall upon you. And you must practice and exercise yourself and discipline yourself if you want to win any medal. The same thing when you are working with the Almighty God. The spirit of the Almighty God must fall upon you. And then you must be able to live that life if you want to see it happen in your life. Okay? Nothing good will happen without, first of all, allowing that particular word to permeate our life. The question then is, what does it mean for the word of God to become flesh in our lives? Before I go into the details, let me just give you an example. The Word of God says 
Just like we prayed when we were about to give our offering. The word of God says, give and it shall be given unto you. That is the promise of God. Okay? Many of us, sometimes we give, but nothing is given back unto us. So it appears that the word of God is not fulfilled. Okay? The only time you will see the fulfillment of the word of God is when you do what? When you put it into practice. Alright? When you put the word of God into practice, that is when the results begin to come. It's just like when you are looking into a mirror. Unless you smile into the mirror, the mirror will not smile back onto you. Okay? So, what does it mean for the word of God to become life? It to become flesh in our life. For the word of God to become flesh, number one thing we must understand is that you must properly understand the word of God for that particular word to become flesh in your life. In other words, when the Lord gives a promise, when the Lord tells you something, if you don't understand it, you will not be able to practice it. Okay? If you don't understand a particular law, it's very difficult for you to obey that law. If you tell your child or you tell your friend or you tell somebody around you, do this thing for me. If the person does not understand the instruction, how is that person going to obey that instruction? It's going to be difficult. They will not be able to carry it out. The same thing, if you want to walk with the Lord, it is all, it is very, very important that you properly understand the word of God before you can fulfill the word of God. That's number one. Number two, the flesh will become, you know, the word will become flesh. The word will become flesh when we put faith into action. When we put faith into action. In other words, you are trusting God that this is what God has said. This is what God has spoken concerning this particular area of my life. Unless you put faith to action, that particular word will become null and void. Okay? It will become null and void. It's just like when you are investing in a particular investment instrument. Unless you put your money into that investment, you will never get any profit. You can hear about all the good things of if you invest in real estate, this is how much money you are going to make. If you don't invest in it, you are not going to make that money. Okay? So, unless you put your faith into action, the word will not become flesh. And that is what James chapter 2 verse 17 tells us. He said, but thou say, but also, but does faith, does also faith by itself, if it does not have work, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have work. Show me your faith without your work and I will show you my faith with my work. In other words, your action is a measure of your faith. What you believe prompts your action. If you don't believe something, you will not do it. If you don't believe a particular individual, you will not associate with them. If you don't trust a particular person, you will not believe whatever they say. If you don't believe that the government will do something, you will not obey the instruction of the government. The idea is that on your action is a measure of your faith. If you believe something, you will do it. If you don't believe it, you will not do it. If you don't believe that a bank is strong enough to carry your money, you will not put your money there. If you believe that the bank is strong enough to carry your money, you will put your money there. Your action is a measure of your faith. Number three, the word will become flesh in our lives when we continue in obedience. When we continue in obedience, and this is where a lot of people have problems. Okay? Not just with the word of God, not just the way we live, but also in real life. i give you an example. At the end of the year, we're going to a new year. You have eaten Thanksgiving turkey. You have eaten all sorts of things. You are now, Christmas is now gone. Everybody is fully loaded. You want to lose weight. You believe that by going to the gym just one day, you will lose everything. But you have forgotten that you did not pack all those things in one day. Okay? Now, for you to see the word of God become flesh in your life, obedience is not just a one-time thing. Okay? 
You do not obey God just once. You continue to obey God. Just like you continue to go to the gym. Just like you continue to practice if you want to win a medal in the Olympics. Just like you continue to invest if you want to make money in the stock market. Just like you continue to do the things that you want to do if you are going after a young man or a young woman before they become your wife or your husband. You don't just say one day, you are my wife. And that's the end of the story. If you do that, that woman, something is wrong with both of you. Something is definitely wrong with both of you. There has to be a constant pursuit, a constant obedience, a constant following of the Almighty God. And that is how the Word becomes flesh. It's continued obedience. The Bible tells us in John chapter 8 reading from verse number 30. Say, when Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, he said, if you abide in my Word, and you are my disciples in this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He said, if you abide in my word, it simply means if you continue to follow my word, if you continue to obey my word, if you continue to trust what I'm saying, if you continue to practice the instructions that I give unto you, then you are my disciples indeed. The only time you will see the result is when you keep doing what the Lord has instructed you to do. The journey that we are talking about, this Christian journey is not a one-time thing. It's not that you obey once and that's the end of the story. Okay? It's not that you just say one, one small prayer today and that's the end of the story. You keep on praying. And that's why the Bible says, pray without season. It is when you keep doing it, that's when the result will come. Okay? So, the, 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 the word will become flesh when we do what? When the word of God is obeyed continually. And the truth of the word of God that will set you free, my brothers and sisters, the truth of the word of God that will set you free is the truth of the word of God that you, number one, know, and number two, obey. The word of God that you know and the word of God that you practice is the word of God that will set you free. The word of God that you don't know, the word of God that you don't practice will not do anything for you. You know, you can put the Bible under your pillow and sleep. It will not do you any good. It will not, because there are a lot of people who do that. You just open a particular page in the psalm, you put your pillow on top of it, and you sleep. The only thing it will do for you is that it will tear that Bible. That's all it will do for you. Putting the, opening the Bible under your pillow does not do anything. Putting a copy on your dashboard in the car does not do anything for you. The word of God that does something for you is the word of God that you know and the one that you practice. And that's why when Jesus was tempted in the, in the, in the wilderness, Jesus said, it is written. The reason it is written, the reason he was able to say that was because he knew the word and he practiced the word. So the word of God that will set you free is the word of God that you know and the word of God that you practice. Now, sustained action is a measure of your faith, but it shows the strength of your conviction. In other words, when you keep obeying without failing, when you keep following the Lord without failing, it shows that you, it's not just the measure of your faith, it's the strength of your conviction. In other words, you are convinced. The Bible tells us in the book of uh, Romans chapter 4, it said that Abraham continued to believe God, even when there was no reason to believe God. Here was a man who was a hundred years old. There was no way he could have children again. His wife was almost 90. There was no way he could have children again. But the Bible makes us understand that they continue to believe. What that simply means is that this man was convinced that God is able to do it. The same thing. Your continuous obedience shows that you are convinced that God is able to meet you at the point of your needs. That is why you don't stop. That is why you do not stop when you are moving forward. For those of us who have ever been to the farm before, you will notice that a farmer will keep on farming, even when there is drought. 
even when there is no sign that the rain is going to come, even when there is no hope that, even when there is no indication that they are going to get the harvest, they keep doing what? They keep on farming the land. The reason is because they are convinced that if they do it, the harvest will come. So your faith, your, your action, your continuous obedience is a function of your confidence, is a function of your, of, your, of your conviction, of your trust that God is able to do what God will do. The question then is why is it important for the word of God to become flesh in your life? Why is it important for the word of God to become flesh in your life? The reason is because... He, the, the, the reason is because if the word of God does not become flesh, what does it even mean for the word of God to become flesh? It simply means that you are seeing the practical results of the word of God in your life. Okay? You are seeing the practical result. People look at you and they say, okay, you say you, you, are, the, you are befalling this Jesus. What has he done for you? When you see the result of following Jesus, that's what it means for the word to become flesh. When you see the result of that particular word becoming flesh in your life, it changes everything. But if we cannot see the results, what you will find is that it is very difficult for people to be able to follow you. Right? When you say you are following the Lord Jesus Christ, and they ask you, what has this Jesus done for you? And you have nothing to show. Nothing to show. What happens is that your faith becomes what? Void. Your profession becomes void. It appears as if it's an empty word. It's just like a man who said, I'm doing business. You know how this... Um, uh, all this network marketing. I don't know if anybody knows anything about network marketing here. You know this network marketing. If you if you buy this one, you buy this one. They they tell you make million. You make three hundred dollar every every day, or you make one thousand dollars. You know they give you all sorts of promise. The thing is this: the promise will look good on paper, but if you get into that particular business and you don't see the result, what happens? That means whatever they are saying is useless because you are not seeing the result. The same thing in the church of God. If we come to God and God is saying that, come unto me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. If you come and you don't see rest, what happened? It appears as if the pastor is lying. It appears as if the Bible is not true. Okay? So that is one of the reasons why the word of God must become flesh in your life. Because the word of God cannot be void. Alright? Number two, why is it, you know, if we... If the world cannot see the reality of what we believe in our life, then our testimony becomes weak. You cannot stand and tell somebody, yes, it is good for you to become a network marketer. You become to, you, you know, you, if you buy this, you are going to sell, you are going to get this amount of money. If they can't see the result in your own life, if they ask you, since you have been doing this network marketing, how much money have you made? You know, it's because, you know, I've not been doing it very well. If you start giving that kind of excuse, nobody will follow you. The same thing if you are a Christian. And you say that you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. And people ask you, since you have been working with the Lord, what has it done for you? And you say, well, you start, you know, you start giving excuses. They will say that you are not a serious person. So the reason, if the word of God does not become flesh, then our testimony becomes weak. Number three, if the word of God does not appear, if the word of God does not become flesh in our life, it appears as if we are all liars. Okay? Promises that we made from the word of God, promises that are spoken into our life from the word of God appear to be a lie if the word of God is not made flesh in our life. If we don't see the practical experience, if we don't see the practical reality of what Jesus has done in our lives, what you will find is that people will call us that we are all liars. A man who says that I'm being born again, he's still cheating. He cannot tell you good morning without you looking at the window to make sure it is morning. Okay? 
if he if he's a, he's a, he's a crook, you cannot keep money with him. You can't keep a young girl with that particular person without him checking that particular young girl out. If that person says that he's born again, you begin to wonder, if this person is born again, then who are the people who are not born again? Because their life is not reflecting what they are saying. So, what happens is that if the word does not become flesh, if the practical reality of the word of God is not seen in your life, people will no longer believe the word. They will not believe your testimony. There is no incentive to believe that kind of a person. If you can't trust me, why would you believe me? If you can't trust me with your children, why would you leave them with me? If you can't trust me with your money, why would you give your offering? If you can't trust me with your word of God, why would you, why would you sit down Sunday after Sunday to listen to me? If you can't trust me. Unless you see the result of the word of God in our lives, we will not be able to trust the preaching of the word of God. And that is why the word of God must do something in our lives. That is why our life must demonstrate that we have changed. That is why our life must demonstrate that God has achieved or done something specific in our lives. Because one of the things you will find is this. A lot of people watch you. They might not come to church, but they are watching what you are doing. They are watching the way we live our lives. They are watching the way we talk to other people. They are watching the kind of friends that we carry around. And they are saying, I see something different about this individual. I see that the Spirit of God is upon the life of this person. But if they don't see the result in our life, what happened? The little faith that they have, that faith will even be overturned. Okay? Because there are times you see, eh? some people have the courage to do something because they can see my brother doing it. They can see my sister doing it. They are able to go to their family and say, eh, I want to go to church. Because they can see another person going to church and they see the confidence in the life of that person. Because they want to have what that person has, they have the boldness to step out. But if your life is not showing the fruit of the Spirit, if your life is not showing the fruit of a born-again life, then you are going to disappoint the faith of another person. The person, the other person who is looking at you for an example, that person might now become disappointed. He said, well, if that particular guy who calls himself a pastor, if he's living like that, then why am I wasting my time? Why do I have to be a good person? Why do I have to take my, keep myself from sin? Why do I have to live a life that is pleasing unto God? If the people that go to church every day are behaving like this, why? What is the incentive for me to live right? So what you find is that if the, if the word of God does not become flesh in your life, what you will find is that a lot of people may not come to Christ just because they are looking at you. Somebody once said that a lot of people are Christians because they have seen a Christian. And they say a lot of people are not Christians because they have also seen a Christian. The way you live makes a lot of difference. Because you might not know that, you don't even know who is watching. You don't know where you will find yourself. You don't know what you will say that will make a difference in the life of somebody. You don't know what you will say that will turn somebody away from God. You don't know what you will say that will bring somebody into the kingdom. And that is why your life matters. Everything you say matters. The people you work with matters. What you do, the way you comport yourself matters. The way you dress matters. The way you carry yourself matters. Everything you do in life matters. As soon as you enter into the kingdom of God. Because people are watching you. The world is watching you. And if the word of God does not become life, flesh in our lives, what will happen is that the truth that we preach will become a ridicule. People will begin to mess with that truth. People begin to laugh at us because they say, you are talking about this and you are not living it. And that's why they accuse Christians that they are hypocrites. Are there hypocrites in the church? Of course. But is everybody a hypocrite? No. But they can accuse Christians of hypocrisy because of the way most of us or some of us live we claim to be Christians but we are not living the Christian life 
That is what happens when the glory of the word of God is not visible in all in your life, in my life. One thing as Christian that we must understand is that the word of God will not become flesh if you don't understand the truth of the word of God. The word of God will not become flesh if you don't know the person of the word of God. Okay? The Bible makes us to understand. That's why we read in that John chapter 1. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The word itself is a person and that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot, the word cannot become flesh if you don't know Jesus. It's not possible. Because the power that comes through the word has to come through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the risen Christ. So the word will not become flesh if you don't understand the truth. The word will not become flesh if you don't know if you don't know him. Your word will not become flesh if you fail to receive him. The word will not become flesh if you fail to receive him. But when we comprehend what the Bible is saying, when we know who that particular word is, and we have received him as our Lord and personal Savior, then the word of God that we have believed will come alive in our lives. That word will come alive when you invite Jesus in. The word comes alive. Number two, when that word comes alive, then the glory will be revealed. When the word comes alive in your life. when Imagine, the Bible tells you that by his stripes we are healed. And you believe the Almighty God for a particular healing in your body. And you continue to believe God and continue to trust Him and you continue to pray. And then the Lord brings healing into your body. What do you think will happen around you? People will see you and say, wow, this is what God has done for this person. Because they can see it. Okay? They can see it. And they can feel it. Because they know that you were once sick, but now you are healed. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, We thank you for listening.